0: Today, we're giving a special shout out to our listeners in Fergus, Ontario, Lamar, Colorado, and Puerto Viejo in Costa Rica. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, Plant-Centered listeners. My name is Ashley. I am your host today. Today, we're going just a hair off topic, but after interviewing Tawny for this episode, it was such a fascinating topic, and I think you'll find it just as fascinating because so many people struggle with the topic that we're gonna talk about, which is chronic pain, and Tawny really goes above and beyond to tell us all about chronic pain and how it's so much more than just the pain itself. I'll let her share all the details because she is way more educated and experienced when it comes to this, but there are also a lot of overlaps with intuitive eating. So we do tie it back to plant-based eating, intuitive eating. We use the term body listening or interoception, which I think is just Just really incredible. So to give you a little bit of background on Dr. Tani Cross, she graduated with her doctorate in physical therapy from Duke University in 2013. Her journey as a chronic pain specialist and coach evolved from nearly a decade of practice at a veteran's hospital. Because of the complex histories, physical and sexual traumas many veterans have, In order to better serve and help them heal from chronic pain, Dr. Cross grew her practice, knowledge, and breadth of expertise to include nutrition, hypnosis, guided imagery, mindfulness, pain neuroscience education, breath work, mind-body practices, and so much more. So you can tell she really, truly goes above and beyond to not only listen to her patients, to her clients, but also to get to the root cause of what is going on. More than anything, she... Likes her clients to be able to see their innate strengths and realize their inner healing abilities. I'll tell you what, she is an empowering. Coach, she truly believes again in these innate strengths in her own patients and clients, and it's incredibly obvious. When Tawny is not working on all things related to chronic pain, she enjoys attending church, going on hikes with her two kids and husband, exercising like weightlifting, hello, tennis, and running. She likes to play board games, which I have played many with her, reading sci-fi fantasy books, and trying to come up with really bad or maybe really good. Mom jokes. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Tawny Cross to the show. What's up, Tawny? It's so good to have you here today. I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> I'm excited too. So Tani and I met, I was actually, Tani, I was trying to figure out what year it was. I think it was 2014. So it's been a while now. Yeah. I'm going Mm -hmm. based off like my dog's age because I know that she was young when (laughs) y'all came into our lives. So, or when we came into your lives. Um, Yeah. So it's been like a nice ride and it's been cool to watch you grow and expand when it comes to just your knowledge and expertise in physical therapy, chronic pain, dry needling, which I've been dry needled by Tawny many times. She is amazing at it. Um, But I would love for you to give us just a background on who you are and what you do. Yeah. um, So I am a
1: physical therapist by trade. I've been working since 2013 um, with on the end of just outpatient physical therapy, but I work in the VA and in the VA, you're seeing a lot of veterans that have very complex pain behavior. So it's interesting, Ashley. That she mentioned that, I, like, like you've seen my growth with it. Ha- a lot of it had to do with necessity because I mm-hmm. think I kind of yeah. came I'm like, okay, I know all the things about PT, and I can just like, you know, cure musculoskeletal pain left and right. And it was very apparent to me that like that was not going to be the case when I started working. And There was just people upon people that came in that just were going through the same cycle. Mm-hmm. They 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 were struggling. They went through PT maybe made some short-term results, didn't get any better. And then like the doctors didn't know what to do. Um, and they would just keep on feeding them back into PT because they're like, well, it's conservative management. Let's keep on going that yeah. route. And it was it was, it was was kind of like a, I either kept with the same cycle or I had to figure out what's going on because we, we were missing something. In the beginning, there was a lot about like, okay, is it something I'm doing wrong? Do I not know enough? So like the dry kneeling pieces and all that stuff was like, okay, well, what more can I do to help make pain relief happened for these people. But even that was really short term. So what I ended up doing was very deep diving <laughs> into all the other areas of um, how people see pain. As I've evolved, I've done a lot of things like uh, mindfulness and hypnosis. Um, I, I studied into somatic work. I look into more of the mental health side of things, which is actually now within the scope of physical therapy practice anyway. I think looking at the different pieces from how everybody sees pain, marrying it together um, and helping people even understand pain, that started to really shape shift my practice so that people could actually see changes and results. Um, so when people come in to see me, I they often they are like, it doesn't seem like you do physical therapy anymore. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. like not your traditional sort. Like it's very counterintuitive. It's it's holistic. And I would say it's also backwards against conservative uh, medicine approaches, um, which I think needs to happen because we didn't actually have a a conventional model of medicine. And I think you probably see that too, Ashley, with with the work that you do. You're just like, okay, well, doctors, you can't keep on doing this because you're not
0: fixing a problem. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, as you were talking about that, I was like, wow, yeah, I kind of see that in my own practice too. Coming out of school, I was like, oh yeah, I know everything. And then I become plant-based. I'm like, oh my goodness, I know nothing. And then I find a state of eating, also know nothing. And so you have to go above and beyond to do this research because- similar to you and probably very similar to me, I saw this gap in what was being provided or what was being prescribed when it came to nutrition, or I'm sure for you, like pain management. And I was like, this is, it's not working because you're right. People are continually for me, like on the diet, off the diet, on the diet, off. And it's just this continuous cycle. And I'm like, nothing is happening. This isn't fixing any problem whatsoever. It's not getting to the root cause of what's actually going on. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like you saw that and you sought that out because knowing Tani for as long as I have, she's always like jet setting off. Off to some conference, you know, just learning more and getting more certifications. I mean, I feel like you're such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to this topic, because you've seen that we've got to go deeper than just maybe running through like kind of your stereotypical physical therapy session.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, otherwise you're, it's it's mostly about symptom reduction, but you're not getting any deeper than that and symptom reduction only does so much and like helps people for so long and they they become dependent on you and i think people need to know that they they should be able to trust what they can do with their own bodies mm-hmm. like yeah. that, that's where healing occurs like you they they should be an active part of their own health and not dependent on, on others whether whether
0: the doctor has a million certifications or not yeah yes yeah right so could you kind of just describe what chronic pain actually is or how it's defined
1: yeah um so i, I was thinking about this Um, Because when you look into the International Association for the Study of Pain, like chronic pain is not defined well, or it's just it's a simple definition of, hey, it's just pain that persists and recurs for longer than three months, which is Uh not not really that helpful. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, I've had this for a long time. Um, But within the branch of chronic pain, there's actually a breakdown of different types even visit the word pain itself, it's usually defined as an unpleasant sensory and emotional experience associated with actual or potential tissue damage, or at least described in terms of that type of damage. Um, but when it comes to chronic pain, I there's like a rough three breakdown category. There's nociceptive. And nociceptive is generally speaking more associated with actual tissue damage. So let's say you sprained your ankle, there's a sports injury, something's happening on the end of the tissue. Um, there's also neuropathic pain and neuropathic pain is it's a lesion in the nervous system or a dysfunction in the nervous system. So you can think of things like um, carpal tunnel or diabetes with the neuropathies that come from that. Um, People have thyroid issues or cancer or multiple sclerosis um, that affect the nerve itself um, or like, you know, B12 deficiencies. <laughs> if you yep. wanted to talk oh, yeah. to more about some of the chemical changes, but yeah, so those are neuropathic type pain. Um, and then there's new, no plastic pain there's a whole sensitization that's occurring with the entire nervous system and it, it in itself doesn't need to have any background um like tissue pieces to it it's just in itself its own disease i would say on the whole chronic pain itself doesn't actually have a one root specific cause um if you're looking at Tissue-based pain, the nociceptive pieces, yeah, like you're like, oh, I continue to have an ongoing fracture that hasn't healed. Yes, sure, you're going to have a root cause. In my specialization, which is the plastic pain, which... Most people send me for like that's like fibromyalgia, chronic pain syndromes um, in the psych world. They call it neuroplastic pain. And if you haven't heard much about that, like neuroplastic pain is based on the idea that your your pain, your brain adapts and it changes and shifts. And then, so does your entire nervous system. And so um, with chronic pain in the nociplastic category, there's no pathology or tissue damage. Or if you have some sort of tissue damage, it's not enough or severe enough to explain the pain that you have. So sometimes sometimes people will go into the um, MRI room and they'll be like, oh, I have, you know, I have a little bit of arthritis or I have some like mild herniated disc, but they have pain like everywhere. Like that doesn't match up to what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. In which case then we're talking about central sensitization. Like what exactly is happening in your central nervous system to cause, um, all these altered processes, because you'll start to see things in um, lab work or um, in your in your brain where you'll see sensory processing is different. Um, there's increased brain activity in areas that is associated with pain. So, let's say for instance, you sprain your ankle. Typically speaking, there's a spark. There's parts of your brain that light up from that specific experience. But with chronic pain, those maps are different. Uh-huh. Um, Yeah, they're, they're, they're crazy different. And we can talk a little bit more about that if you want to um, later on. Um, there's also poor functioning of what they call endogenous analgesia, which is a fancy way of saying that your system actually produces natural pain medication. However, Mm -hmm. with chronic pain, it becomes dysregulated. Your brain no longer does that well. So the things that should naturally occur to help shut down painful experiences don't, um, and then you just have like increased responses to input. So you, whether it's cold, like your people, you know, hear people say it all the time, like, oh, when I'm cold, I feel more pain. Or when I'm stressed, I feel more pain. Yeah. Light seems to bother me, like food allergies, like all these stuff, all, all these things start to occur. And it's because your entire nervous system is sensitizing towards those things.
0: Wow. That's fascinating. I do. I do hear that a lot. Like, oh, it's cold outside or the weather's shifting. And so I'm like, I'm now having like this pain that I didn't have as much before and noticing it more. I never even thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy once you start to see how many areas of your life
1: is just nervous system driven.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know this impacts a lot of people. And so that's why I'm kind of curious just to dive into it more. I mean, what exactly do you see as the problem when it comes to chronic pain? I know you mentioned it a little bit in the beginning, um, just maybe that gap in care, but what are some problems that you see specifically? I think if we started
1: kind of on like bouncing off of the central sensitization idea, Like you, you notice that literally every aspect of your nervous system becomes sensitive and some groups will describe this as nervous system dysregulation. But what this means for me is that within every practice in medicine out there, like any specialization you have, you'll find a chronic pain related issue that people are trying to target. Mm. Um, So, so like, you know, if you go into the pain clinic, what they're doing is like, let me just focus specifically on pain. You go into like nutrition, like, okay, well, let's work on the anti-inflammatory diet. Or like there's and they're just saying, you need to do this, you need to do this, because they're they're there's kind of seeing subcategories of what's going on. Um, so you'll have gut issues with IBS, um, food and environmental allergies. Um, you'll have people with mood disorders. They'll go to see mental health because like their pain is there. And sometimes people will be like, no, my pain started. And then my depression came, but oftentimes mm. you'll see it. Uh, not quite sure, chicken or an egg effect. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what for me, like for you, I guess in your in your area of expertise, um, the literature will estimate that um, the average person should have around ten servings of whole plant based foods to help prevent chronic diseases and chronic pain. Mm-hmm. And, and that's in, per knife yeah. per day, yeah, yep. per day, yep. yes, absolutely per day. Um, and then in the physical field with like professional, like PT, the research continues to show how important beneficial movement is in chronic pain. And what I think you'll probably, you you, you mentioned this earlier too, but we, we recommend so many different things. We're like, okay, eat whole plant-based foods, do movement. And people have a hard time choosing to do that. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, that they, with chronic pain, although they know this, they move less and
0: less. Especially when you're telling people to eat more whole plant foods and move more. It's like, okay, well, where do I start? What do I do? And and those those are big hurdles, especially maybe if you're not used to moving or if you are in a lot of pain, you're like, well, this doesn't make sense. Or you enjoy your standard American diet. Well, or you maybe don't have access, easy access to some of those foods. Like, well, what am I gonna do? I'm just gonna continue doing what I've always been doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Change is so, so hard. And I think that you hit the nail on the head. Like the basic breakdown for me in in the problem um, with chronic pains, at least through the lens of like central sensitization and just what everybody else, everybody's recommending is there's a gap between knowing what to do and struggling mm-hmm. with doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like I could sit here and recommend someone to do exercises all day long, but they'll go home and not do it. Yeah. So ha- I think that's, that's, that's the gap and that's where we need to speak to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know that you're really big into that, that body connection piece that you, I think you use the word interoception. What exactly is that link that kind of piggybacks off what you were just saying? What is that link between connecting with our body? And I mean, we talk about that a lot on the show, just with intuitive eating, how that plays a big role, but how does that maybe tie into chronic pain?
1: Interoception is basically um, the ability to become aware and. Um, be really kind of attuned to your internal signals, like the the hunger, the thirst, the breathing, the heart rate, temperature, even emotions. Um, And what you'll notice with people with chronic diseases that you treat, as well as like chronic um, pain, is that um, people are out of touch with what their systems are saying. Mm, Yes. So to... Kind of reverse that thought idea is that when you have increased interoception, you generally speaking have less pain and less
0: potential like um, symptoms with your disease. Huh. Okay. I'm trying to like think about how that ties back into intuitive eating like the more you listen, the more you're able to kind of respond to your body and what it's trying to tell you like when it comes to hunger, or fullness, um, even just like mm-hmm. the foods you're eating, how you feel afterwards. And so that sounds like it ties into even chronic pain itself. Absolutely, absolutely. Like I think if if I were to think about
1: the areas that people need to work on in in order to improve um these these things that they can't seem to do, body connection would be like the very first thing.
0: In your practice, Tani, what do you do with your clients or patients when it comes to just even getting them started to listening to their body? Maybe what are some things that you recommend? It
1: starts even behind that because mm-hmm. most people come in not knowing what pain is. Ah. They they have I mean, that's, that's not anybody's fault. It's because of kind of the way that we're trained. Yep. Like We learn certain things um, about pain, and most people associate pain to be something har- harmful. So they think about it only in terms of the nociceptive pain that we talked about at the beginning. Um, some of it is is driven by medical practices. Like when x-rays and MRIs back in the day became more prevalent so that we can diagnose people, there was actually a huge spike in pain or persistent pain that started to occur.
0: Huh. Wow.
1: Um, which continues now and today, even even in, a, in the hospital that I work with, even when I've educated other doctors about that, they're still kind of like, let's do the next ray MRI and let me explain this, like just like this. And then the patients come in to see me and they're like, It's because I have an exploding disc or something. And I'm like, Well, you have, you know, toe pain. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> it doesn't like some of the things that they're 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 feeling don't match up. And sure having education behind what is actually going on is for me a very, very first step because, um, in, in the field of helping people learn more, you almost have to de-educate them first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that goes to with, with helping them understand why their behaviors are the way they are. And I think you'll see this too with you, like what, what you do, because people come in to see you and they're like, I want to change my diet. I want to eat like this. Just give me the right diet. And you're like, but it's not worked for you." Yeah. And they may not understand or really make the connections between that. They've learned to eat emotionally. they learn learned to stress eat. They've learned to eat because they've been conditioned to eat in certain ways. And all those patterns are things that they've done for t- 10, 20, 30 years. And yep. you don't just be like, okay, let me pick a new diet and undo that. Yep. And it's the same thing with pain. You don't just say, okay, let me give you this new exercise. Let me give you this new breathing technique to do. like even, even on the things like a, a hypnosis, it's stuff that I've learned, I don't just go, okay, Cookie, you do this and you'll magically have your pain change. People have these magic bullet ideas, um, not just being sold by other people, but sometimes unconsciously we think to ourselves, oh yeah, I just do this and it'll be totally fine. Yep. Um, and we have to know that that's happening. We have to become aware of our conditioned behaviors before we can even
0: get into um, how having the things that we do become more successful. Yeah, absolutely. You reminded me of something. I was talking to someone recently because I had asked you, you know, how do you get someone to start listening to their body? And you kind of, you back up even further than that. And I was talking with someone, we're recording this in January there. They gave up dairy for January. And he's talking to me. He's like, you know what, Ashley? He's like, I think I'm lactose intolerant because I feel so much better. But that connection was never there as he was eating and kind of experiencing discomfort and bloating and kind of, you know, some weird GI issues. And it really wasn't until he kind of backed up, backed up. It wasn't just about listening to his body. He's like, okay, I'm going to try eliminating this. I feel so much better. Wow. Okay. All that stuff. Anyway, it was just really fascinating. Yeah, no, no, that, that is actually like a really big thing to help people be
1: able to see those gaps. Um, this is maybe on an aside perhaps, but like one of the things that I, I would say this goes towards interoception to some extent, and also being able to understand like how your brain makes associations um, in the past, I don't know, like a couple of months, I've had a, a bunch of people come to see me and they're like, I cannot drink water. And it's, it's not like a. I just, I don't like drinking water thing, although that's part of it. It's also like they they feel nauseated when they drink water, Wow, which is fascinating, right? Because yeah. water is so, it's essential to life. And in like the movie Zoolander, it's the essence of beauty and moisture, or whatever. <laughs> like, right? Um, But they, they'll come in and see me and I'm like, okay, there's got to be some weird thing that happened to make this water be associated with something disgusting, kind yeah. of like food poisoning. Yeah. So- um, if we're talking about going way back, what we did with them is, or uh, what I did with them is I helped them go into a little bit of hypnosis to, to explore why this was happening. Cause they were in their heads. They were like, no, I've, I've always been this way. I've always been this way. Um, one of the clients I saw, it turned out that when she was seven, she was forced to drink, um, water from a watering hole. That was actually disgusting, but she was forced to drink it. And she then recalled, she's like, actually before then I drank water all the time. It was not a problem. Wow. Yeah. And, and, um, the other person I saw, I think he said, so he was, he was in the military. Um, so he happened to be a veteran and he said during basic training, his, um, his officer was yelling at him to do a lot of the exercise. And so they were, they were actually being forced to drink water, even though he kind of felt dismayed, which obviously overhydration is a problem too, Mm -hmm. but he couldn't respond back to his officer. He had to do what was supposed to be done. and so in in what your brain is understanding because it's learning by association at that point in time his brain is like okay something here is the enemy and it started to see the water as enemy and so when i had him revisit what water was like before that and drank the water he's like actually that feels fine I'm like yes so to some extent like having you know like water itself like consciously you know it's not a problem and you're trying to force yourself to drink it but until your brain starts to be able to break down like what what specific I guess you could say trauma in this, in this instance um, was Mm -hmm. linking those things to occur. Um, You're not body listening. You're just kind of like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta just force myself to like this thing. Mm -hmm. And
0: that too, isn't body listening. Yeah. Yeah. And I would imagine that is more harmful than helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So how does listening to your body actually help. I kind of want to get into that. Like once you are working with a client, working with a patient and mm-hmm. they are starting to kind of take note of this chronic pain, um they're using some of the tools, resources that you gave them. How does this interoception actually help? Yeah, so um if we think about body connection as
1: um one of the things that is altered with pain. Mm-hmm. So, um remember how we talked about how the map shift? Yeah. One of the things that occurs is um so you have like a little mini, let's say Minnie Ashley in this case, a mini Ashley in your head, right? And so if you raise your right hand, um little Miss Minnie Ashley also raises her right hand. And what we know with those maps though is that over three to six months after chronic pain initiates, um, your brain starts to lose track of what's actually going on in a sensory level. Hmm. So Um, for example, if I said, Hey, I putting your fingers together, I'm tying them together for 15 to 30 minutes. After only 15 to 30 minutes, your brain starts to see instead of five fingers, it sees four. Or let's say if you, um, I call this two point or they call this two point discrimination. Let's say if I were to touch you, if my fingers are too close together, you're only going to feel one point. And then as I separate the fingers at some point in time, you're going to be able to discriminate. I'm touching you with two points. With two-point discrimination, though, if I touched you in a painful area, your brain will not pick that two-point, discrimi- uh, two-point separation up until, let's say, three to six inches compared to someone who has no pain, which might be only at one inch, depending wow. on what body part I'm touching.
0: Sure. Yeah. yeah. So what are some specifics, you know, as you're working with your patients and clients, what are some specifics people can do? Even people listening right now who are struggling with chronic pain that they can do to alleviate some of their chronic pain symptoms. Most of the time with chronic pain, people are ignoring,
1: distracting, and disassociating from what Mm. they're feeling. And this can be physically, (laughs) and this can be physical or it can be emotional, right? Mm. Like when people feel anxiety or fear or anger, they're like, ah, no, and then they they kind of run away. And in the long term, if you're thinking about that, it is creating more of that body disconnect and more increasing that poor interoception. Yeah. So uh, what you need to do just on a general speak is... Um, Being able to spend time with your body and feel what it is you're feeling without feeling like this is the wrong thing or this is a bad thing and trying to run away. So I think if we're thinking about body listening, um, you're listening to what it's saying and being able to respond in a way that honors its needs versus reacting, which is what most people tend to do. Um, And this would would involve things like trying to train your heart rate variability, listening to the breath. So it's trying to get back into breathing exercises. Um, meditative exercises can be helpful too. I Again, it's not a cure-all. It's not a magic bullet. I tend to think about more mindful meditative practices as um, growing a hazmat suit so that you can visit some of the deeper, darker things rather than like it being like, oh, I need to be able to relax, which is uh. not entirely um, what I think it was designed for. But for some reason, that's a big misconception. Yeah. Um, so simple practices really is on the end of like breath work, mindfulness, um, gentle movement. Um, and for for I guess on the end of food, mindful eating. Like mindful mm-hmm. eating is a way to start to grow that body connection. Cause if you're sitting down and you're just like, okay, uh, and I'm sure the the popular one you've seen is like the raisin. You're like, yeah. okay. What's the smell? <laughs> yep. that you're going through, but that is you being intentionally mindful, not just with the food, but you're paying attention to those body cues. What exactly is it saying? Um, you're listening to your hunger, those pieces.
0: Yeah. That's one of the, one of the, I mean, there's many steps in intuitive eating, but that's one of the big pieces is actually taking the time to slow down and pay attention and take the time to even see what's on your plate, smell what's on your plate, you know, go through the process of tasting it because so often, and I know you listening and I'm guilty of this too. We just kind of go through our day and eating is just one more thing. We have to check off the list. And so we shovel it into our mouths and go on to our next thing without giving it a second thought. And that sounds like the same thing that you're doing with chronic pain is how can we slow down and actually take the time to listen Yeah. Yeah. And I think just to piggyback on that idea too, just because I think this
1: is a trend that I see a lot too, is no one should be blaming or shaming themselves for doing what they're doing right now. Like Mm. the reactive thing, like the, Hey, like I don't have enough time. Um, I I know I stress you, but I can't seem to, to stop myself from doing that because this is, this is all subconscious conditioned programming responses that your nervous system basically developed, it adapted, thinking it was helpful. And if you shame or blame yourself for it, it it's not one, it's not gonna solve the problem. And two, that's wrong um, because it's not, it's not the reason for why I think something isn't mm. is is or isn't working. And for those people, if something really is hard for you to do, unwinding the layers of trauma or something else that may have played a part in that conditioning will be helpful. Perhaps before able uh, being able to see those greater successes.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's I think that's such a great reminder that blaming, shaming yourself is actually much more detrimental than encouraging in these situations. So I appreciate you saying that. I can't imagine going into the doctor's office or going to someone, going to a medical professional with pain, and you're trying to explain like, this is what's happening. And you feel like you're just beating your head against a wall, like you're not being listened to. And maybe Mm -hmm. you're just given a pill, go on your way, like, you know, whatever that's, it's done. Um, What are some things, you know, if someone is trying to manage their chronic pain, and they're really struggling with it, are there any specific, steps that you recommend that they take?
1: Yeah. Um, so it kind of goes back to, um, number one, just educating yourself more pain because, um, I, I like to emphasize this. You want to empower you when you're, when you're assuming that your doctors have all the explanations, you're giving your power away. That's just yeah. the truth of it. And they don't have that power one to really know everything that's going on behind what you're feeling. And two, they, they are usually like in that like focus of okay physical 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 what's going on and they are also on symptom reduction. So you are the expert on you and you need to own that. Like that's that's just the thing that you need to like educate yourself, be more active on it, um know that you are the expert on everything that you're feeling and when you see a doctor, like take that doctor's word with a grain of salt and, and- um, then the next piece of it too, is like, you might know all this stuff. Like you might know, okay, I know the stops to take. And if that's the case, um, and you're getting stuck in like, no, I should be able to do this on your, on my own again, no shame. You're blaming. Yes. You are the expert on you and everybody has blind spots. Yeah. Everybody does. And the only way that you can navigate past a blind spot is to find someone that can help look at that for you. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of where I'd say ask for help find a coach and if people are kind of struggling like well how do I find the right coach or whatever it's it's really just about sitting down and listening to that person that's speaking to you making sure that they're coming off in a way that is understanding and really hearing you because um, you know they can have all the certifications or licenses in their backdrop but if you can't go into to speak to them and you're feeling like no, they're, they're going, they're not listening to me. They're not really like, they're focusing on this one thing again, then, Hey, maybe that's not the right person. That's appropriate. So I would say find a coach. If you're feeling like doing it on your own is, is troublesome and just know that it's okay to ask for help. In fact, you're overachieving when you ask for help because most people are trying to do it. On Ooh. And, on.
0: and we love overachieving around here. If I shouldn't say that out loud, <laughs> but we do. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a good point too, is that, and we talk a lot about this on the show is obviously advocating for yourself is important because you know your body best, but also finding someone who is going to listen to you. They don't have to exactly have the exact same lifestyle as you, especially when it comes to plant-based eating. A doctor doesn't have to be plant-based. It's the fact that they are listening to you and support you is what's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I know that there's no guarantee when it comes to chronic pain that it can go away. Or is there hope for someone who is listening and has maybe struggled with this for a while that there is hope for it to be reduced or improved?
1: Yeah. And I would even lean on the word guarantee. And and I say that- Because, um, yeah, with the research on what pain actually is compared to what it was before, um, more and more people are actually being able to see changes when they haven't seen them in 20, 30 years. And and so my... If, if I leave a session, even if someone like isn't with me, like for long term, if I leave a session giving them that hope, um, I feel absolutely secure and confident knowing that I've given them the right information because the mm. hope is there. Um, the truth is that you can heal. It does involve more active practices and rather than, than being dependent on things like pain medication. Um, but I would say um, you can significantly reduce it for sure. Um, and a lot of people have made the leap to have it completely go away.
0: Wow. And it really is because of people like you who have seen this gap in care and are really trying to fill it and go above and beyond to help these people who have probably been struggling, I'm sure some for decades and are just ready to, in a way, like just throw in the towel. Yeah. Yeah. I Well, I think that you're
1: probably right there with me. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. We're fighting the good fight. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Tani, if someone wants to connect with you, and I actually don't know this about you, do you do consultations outside of the area in which you live, like a virtual yeah. consultations? Yeah, I do
1: group coaching, and I also do one-on-one coaching. Although I'm moving more towards group coaching, um, and I I have most of the people that I see right now in my own practice outside of the of of North Carolina, okay. um. So and an easy way to find me, I'm very active on Instagram, um, Dr. Tawny Cross with a K, because some people get that <laughs> messed up. Yep. So Dr. Tawny
0: um, You can find me on my website too, but I'm most active on Instagram. Yep, she is. And she's constantly sharing tips and tricks and different things. It's educational, informational, and there is some entertainment there as well. So highly recommend (laughs) checking out Tawny, especially if this is something that you're struggling with. Uh, And we'll also include that link as well as with your website. That way people can easily find that and everything. If this is something that you're um, wanting to connect with Tawny on. All right. Wonderful. Tawny, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your knowledge when it comes to chronic pain. I really enjoy following you and I just think what you're doing is so wonderful. So thank you. And I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you so much for listening. And we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the plant-centered and thriving podcast today. If you found this episode inspiring, please share it with a friend or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally say thank you. Until next time, keep thriving.